And I don't so much like horror movies. Even now, you haven't you haven't grown to grown a little bit more. Aw- no. uh, you appreciate no. them now. No, you've watched no. a few. No, you don't think this whole podcast is to convert me, do you? No, I don't. No, I don't believe in conversion <laughs> <laughs> on any level. Just education. Just <laughs> oh, I'm being educated. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. On all the reasons why I don't like horror. <laughs> I think it was Socrates who said a person would be a good person if he only knew what being good meant. So you'll be a horror fan once you realize what being a horror fan is. I, you know, it's interesting. I think it's the opposite. Oh, I, I think you're I'm getting not, to like it less. <laughs> in some ways, yes. As oh, no. I am, get more clarity on what the genre is, and I think the movie we're talking about today is a good example. Uh, I, I, I am more more confirmed in my conviction than I was before. Wow. Oh, this is fascinating. Uh, I have no idea. I'm really, really curious. But so for those of you guys don't know on this uh, episode of the horror uh, where Russell has to watch horror movies that I assign and we discuss, we are watching Jordan Peele's sophomore effort, his second film, uh, Us, um, which um, is, uh, yeah, it's, it's getting a little bit of Oscar buzz. Is it really? Well, not the, I don't think like for best picture or best screenplay, but for some of the performances. Well, I will say, especially the central role of Lupita Nyong'o. She is so good. Yeah. Yeah, tremendous, tremendous. It, you know, it's always it's always a bit of stunt acting when you're doing a dual role, but she just like really sinks her teeth into it. So that was one of the more enjoyable aspects. Yes. Yes. I think it's fair to say, by the way, that I know you don't want to give spoilers, and I, I, I know we'll sort of, you know, stick away from them. But, but this film, you know, if if you haven't seen it yet, we'll, we'll be careful. But there's probably some spoilers might come up during this conversation. Well, here, let me just full disclosure, and it's it is unfortunate, and I admit it was an unfortunate, and and I'm sure that in many ways colored my experience. But I knew I knew everything going in. You knew everything. I, honestly, it was because. You know, it came out, I guess, before we started doing this, and I knew I would never want to see it. So I just read a lot about it because I'm a fan <laughs> of Jordan Peele. But I, I could tell this one wasn't necessarily going to be in the same vein as Get Out. And so I was just curious. So I, I read up on it. So I kind of I knew. I kind of knew going in what the deal was. Well, that's that's so first of all, you're a fan of Jordan Peele, but you didn't think you would ever want to see this. And, and you like you like Get Out. I did, yeah. You teach, don't you teach Get Out? Do you? I have, have occasionally. I've shown it in my in my sort of film survey class uh, as a, as a way to talk about film as a kind of cultural document reflecting certain values or ideas, or maybe maybe pushing certain values or ideas, or or seeking some kind of subversion of traditional ideas. So I think Get Out. You know, it's it's honestly it's Get Out. Fruitvale Station or Do the Right Thing are sort of in rotation. And I and I, I have no shame in that, in putting Get Out in that same category. Oh, I'm glad you have no shame in doing that. That's nice of you. <laughs> well, some might take issue with putting it in the same category as Do the Right Thing as a kind of seminal work of cinema. But uh, but I think it's I think it's brilliant. OK, well, so this one. So first, I'm curious, then your expectations when you're like, oh, this is not going to be what Get Out was for me. Your, your expectations 
going into this before before you, you you experienced it? Well, so I think one of the reasons why I I I thought in the back of my mind at some point I might see it as a completist with filmmakers that I enjoy. Uh, but going into it, I thought, well, it's not hard. This is only his second film. I, exactly. Well, you know, <laughs> ex- assuming he's going to have a long career, and I hope that he does, there will be many to yeah. watch, and I may as well like stay up to date. But I think I went into it feeling so. This one feels like, or or my expectation is, it's a horror movie without the sort of the deep thematic interest that Get Out had, which is why I liked Get Out. So all I'm left with is the horror stuff. And so I'm not as interested. Th- that was my expectation. Okay. And and what was your experience watching it? Uh, I've been wrestling. So I watched it last night and I have honestly been wrestling with that question. What was my experience with it? And I, I gave my sort of caveat at the beginning because I knew even as I was watching it, oh, this would probably be more effective if I didn't know. <laughs> in particular, the the big reveal in the very last few frames of the movie, which I, I guess we, we don't want to give away if we if we don't have to. Uh, so knowing that from the beginning, uh, with that cold opening, sort of set things up, it did allow me to see it in a different light. You know, I was I was able to sort of watch it knowing that piece of information, and that was interesting in itself. And I think because I respect him as a filmmaker so much, and there's lots of things I want to talk about in terms of what I really liked about it, I was really trying to figure out, okay, what's the allegory here? Like, what what is this movie about, quote-unquote? What's the thematic through line that helps me sort of see this as more than just an excuse to play with this doppelganger trope? And I, I still feels like it slips through my fingers. I'm still like, I don't know. I don't know if there is one. It feels like it just kind of, he wanted to make a movie about, wouldn't it be creepy if a family that looked just like you showed up in your driveway and and just sort of played that out to its logical conclusion. But it was sort of the cart before the horse thematically. And so it never, for me, really comes together in any kind of meaningful way. Okay, so I think that's that's pretty, I, I, I get that feeling completely. Like it's, I, I, I've watched it twice now, and I saw it in the theater without having any of the, of the spoilers that you've uh, uh, polluted your brain with. Uh, and then I watched it a second time with, with Jody, and, and I did know everything, of course, in the same way that you did. And actually, I really, really enjoyed it both times. I do think, though, that I think there's a lot of people went into it with those expectations. Like, I, I, I think I described it maybe even to you. Like, Get Out is a haiku. Like, it's, it's simple. Uh, it's very elegantly done. It's it's uh, economical both in theme and and in every kind of uh, cinematic way, and so it works really well in that way. Like aha, I get what this is about, and I can hold on to that. Now us, I agree. I don't think us has that. It's not like us is like oh, it's about the you know the, the class system, or it's about how the the our our cultural obsession with commercialism it just doesn't it, it's not necessarily about any of that and in some ways i think it's like oh that that makes it maybe not as cool as get out but in a, in another way maybe it's cooler like that it doesn't have that like it's not not that get out ever becomes a message movie that's what i love about it yeah uh but us is definitely not a message movie it's just a really cool doppelganger movie that that has some really beautiful stuff in it. Well, and and I can imagine. I don't want to speak for for Jordan Peele, but I could imagine there was a part of him that was like, I don't want to be the guy who makes mm. 
the cool allegorical political film, horror film every time. Like I, I need to do something that demonstrates in some ways you could argue sort of pure horror uh, without all that baggage. I could imagine there was some intention behind that. But again, I don't know. I don't want to speak for him. But but I, I did. So this movie, I'm watching it now in the context of what to me, right in this moment, this sort of cinematic moment, we're seeing movies like Parasite and Knives Out, you know, coming out in theaters that are entertaining, incredibly well-crafted films that also are attacking some really sort of endemic social problems. <laughs> yeah. And I find them brilliant and uh, so admirable in their ability to be both entertaining as either a whodunit or a kind of uh, 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 home invasion thriller and yet have this kind of this real gut punch to them. And I feel like Peel certainly has that ability. And because of that, I really want, I wanted it to mean something about, I don't know, like th this idea of, of there are always those in our economy that sort of exist for our comfort. Uh, you know, was there something about that that was happening? And we, we, we want to ignore their suffering, but our existence is possible because of it. Like I could kind of imagine that, but I, I felt like I was bringing that to it in a way the movie was like, eh, maybe. But yeah. And, and, and maybe that I, I totally get what you're saying. I haven't seen Knives Out yet, but Parasite totally get it. And, uh, and you're so right. And this movie definitely like it, it, the, the, the spotlight kind of, goes past that you're like i think i saw this like even the idea that we're we're always living as if we're the lower version of somebody else i mean even even the main family you know there's the other family that has the the nicer boat right yeah and and they're like oh gosh you know we we've, we're the crappier version of them. and that family is also white so there is still right, yes. this subtle notion there too that there is still a kind of hegemonic idea of race in America that maybe he was yep. leaning into as well. Yeah, and 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 so all those different things are there, but it's it's never like. I, in some ways, I'm kind of wondering like it could be one of two things. One thing it could have been like, hey, if he had had all these years building up to this screenplay, and uh, and saying like, okay, this is going to be this project, maybe he would have been like, all right, let me. Let me really solidify the thematic message. And and maybe time-wise, he didn't. That's one possibility. <laughs> the other possibility is like, uh, you know, Milk's scream. I don't have to, I don't want to know exactly what he means in that scream. Sure. You know, I, I the idea that like, oh, it could be a bunch of different things because it's a nightmare image means that it will mean a bunch of things to a bunch of different people. And, and there's something here in us where it's like the feeling of like, I'm not meant to be here. I'm actually, an, I've stolen my own life. I'm um, a, a, a twisted version of myself or whatever it is. All those different things kind of have the ability to live there in this film, in the images. And, and, and that maybe is okay. But like, I, and I hear that. Work and, that and way. What's interesting to me about that, two, two things come to mind. One the one thing that did stick with me is is okay you've got this setup of the kind of the 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 doppelganger the fear of of the other that is yourself it seemed and again i i don't like to remake anyone's movies but it seemed like there were a lot of missed opportunities to lean into that theme 
about identity and knowing who you are, because otherwise it just seemed like a pretty well-adjusted family that, that wasn't really struggling with any of those big questions. And, and I don't know, it seemed like that might have been more interesting if that was more of a thematic through line. It was just, it sort of, it was a plot point that was dropped into their lives and then they had to, to struggle with it. And maybe that's a time issue. Maybe that's a choice. I don't know. But the other thing that I think is interesting about that. Are you so, saying, you mean like the struggle, the family is not dealing with anything. And so this is almost an entirely external threat. It felt to their like happiness. that to me. Except for the child's, the, the main character's trauma as a little girl. Yeah. Other than that, there was, there didn't seem to be, it, it seemed to me that you could have leaned into this idea of who am I? Like the the teenage girl, you know, struggling with, you know, social media or I, I again, I don't want to do like the lame armchair version, but it seemed like we were missing if that's what if that's what the film wanted us to, to probe. It, it didn't do much of that. It was more. It, yeah, I felt that it was more external. OK, yeah, that's I, I think that's 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 really interesting. Yeah. But the other point, you know, to your to your point, like one of the things I love about The Shining and we talked about this uh, is that that so much is left unexplained and yeah. it is more a feeling of dread of of this imagery that that has no backstory that is not contextualized and we're just sort of left to sit in it and why dr sleep left me flat because it, in my mind to it, it explained too much it took the power away from it and you know i was thinking about this film and and trying to sort of frame how i was left feeling flat in the context of there wasn't that same sense of dread, especially by the time you get to the end and there is no mystery except for like where this other world like originates. But, but it's all kind of quote unquote explained. It is. Yeah. And, and that in some ways stole what might have been a deeper dread of these doppelgangers just showing up. But then I thought about it and I thought, well, get out also completely explains yes everything. And I don't have that problem with get out, but, but maybe it's because the explanation to me was a, a really compelling one, and this one wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in Get Out, like Get Out, it's 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 brain transplants. <laughs> like it's something straight out of like the old horror comic strips from like the 1930s. But but because we're like, oh my god, you've taken a genre thing that we recognize it, and you've put on this this race issue in there, and like, oh wow, that's super cool. You've made something old really new, and so the explanation feels pretty good. In fact, we're much less interested about the brain transplants that's just whoa that's out out there but that's why the explanation works i'm with you like us does this kind of remarkable thing of like how much explanation can you fit into the last 12 minutes of a film right and almost all in the dialogue yes detailed explanation (laughs) especially since there was so much room for showing and not telling yeah yeah and and i'm with you it's kind of like a little bit like i'm sure that was discussed with with jordan and all the filmmakers involved of kind of like well what's gonna be the right amount here like uh, how much how much do we explain here it also left me feeling as i was still sort of turning it over my brain that both get out and us in in ways that are different from other horror movies that we've watched and i'm not saying they're not horror but they do feel like feature length twilight zone episodes Mm, mm. and of course you know jordan peele's rebooting twilight zone as a series and now that makes perfect sense that they're more this sort of rod serling taking an ordinary life and just twisting it a little 
and then following that to its logical conclusion. You know, that's what was sort of great about the Greatest Twilight Zone episodes, the, the ones that I remember, was it was just this little tweak of our normal lives and, and following that logic to its most sort of bizarre conclusion. And, and that's what these two films feel like to me, to the point where... Probably the cr- the creepiest element, I suppose, in my mind, w- was the masked doppelganger boy. Yeah. Uh, in sort of the way he moves and, and so forth. But even that, I felt a certain detachment from it. I didn't feel... I'm not saying I wasn't scared. There were definitely moments when I was like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? That I And again, as we all know now, I don't enjoy. <laughs> so <laughs> there was that element. And, and maybe it's just because we're doing this for this podcast, and so I'm watching all these movies with a certain critical distance, but it was more, like, bizarre slash creepy and less truly horrifying to me. Oh, I'm with you. And, and, and again, it may also be because I, I, knew the, I knew the whole reveal, so there was, not that, there was not that mystery of dread of, like, what is this? Right. I knew what it was. So I was just waiting for it to play out. That's really interesting. So like when I watched it the first time that it is really like there's some cool, beautiful, like uncanny stuff. And and of course, yeah, the film later explains why it's uncanny. But like including that image at the top of the drive of the four in the family and and like, oh, mm-hmm. the parallel and that that whole f- initial home invasion is a great sequence. You know, that they just get in <laughs> and there's not much yeah. these people can yeah. do about it. That that sequence was really scary for me. And the other sequence that was really scary for me was the the basically the home invasion across the lake of the white family. <laughs> like both, mm-hmm. both those sequences were like, oh, God, uh, that's really scary. Uh, but I, I am I'm, I am with you that like this. It's a beautiful film. It's it's a it's a really wild film. But I, yeah. I, I would say this, you know, it was interesting. One of the f- uh, films that it was reminding me of, or, or like a, f- a story film, it's like a novel, it's been a couple of movies, was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And of course, Invasion of the Body Snatchers gets retold again and again in, in a bunch of different kind of formats. But within those stories, anytime there is a Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's a story of humans being replaced. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say Stepford-wise is almost a sort of similar type of thing. Of like humans being replaced. And almost always in those versions of them humans are being replaced by uh less emotional less individualistic versions of themselves i mean in some ways maybe Mm -hmm. some of those early ones were like oh this is what happened would happen if communism came to the united states you know we'd we'd dress in gray and we wouldn't tell jokes um and we'd all honor the ruler uh something like that so us is really interesting because it's it is an invasion of body snatchers. People are going to take our place, but they're they're kind of more animal than us. So maybe it's like sometimes our fear at certain like certain times in in our history, our fear is like we are going to lose the human part of us to to this sort of more uh, robot like style of living. And this one is like we're we're going to lose the human side of us to this animal like style, including the parts of us that we've injured to get where we are today. Um, and I don't know, that was kind of an interesting new look at like the home invasion. Uh, right. And I think that fit, fits into the category of, of Peel providing in some ways a kind of thematic blank slate that you have to fill in the yeah, blanks yeah, of, yeah. of what, what is he saying? What is yeah. this about? And, and even, you know, one of the experiences I had watching it too 
and I do want to get to the things I, I really like about it. it there was a, and this is, goes to a, a conversation thread that we've had throughout these, this idea of, you know, do you trust the filmmaker or not? Whether that means do you trust them as a as a good craftsman, that even if they take you to a dark place, that it's going to be well done? Or do you trust them in the sense that they, they are unpredictable and they may show you things you don't want to see or or shouldn't see? Interestingly, with Peel, I was reasonably confident that I was not going to see children killed. Mm-hmm. And in particular, uh, I mean the, the above ground children. And, you know, I don't I don't want to spoil anything in, in this sense that while there are some people that you would consider children being killed, it wasn't the ones that I was afraid, you know, would be. So um, in other words, everyone survives who sh- quote unquote should survive. Uh, oh, wow, that's a loaded. Well, and no, and, and as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how, okay, but if this is about the way we ignore those who make our lives possible, suddenly those lives become disposable and, and they do die, you know? Um, you know, this is one of those movies where the, 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 the killer with a capital K sort of a stand in for, for one person or more than one person is defeated at the end, you know, in broad strokes Mm -hmm. versus the kind of horror movie where they, they aren't. I, I, I'm dancing around because obviously there's there's some spoilers that would reveal everything. Um, and you really should watch this without knowing how it ends. And you could debate like that question of did the villain survive right. or was the villain vanquished? And it, you're sort of left with that open question. And that's great. I think that's that's, that's a, cool. sort of a strength. Oh, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but I also agree. I mean, you're totally right about that feeling of like, Okay, there's 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 the the wink of darkness at the end, but there's not the like ha ha, you showed me your hope and I crushed your hope. I right. stepped on the neck of your hope. Right. Like Jordan Peele is a, a, a pretty brilliant entertainer, uh, and whether he's doing comedy or horror, I think he's got that in mind of like I, I want people to have a really good time. <laughs> so you're right. I mean the the fa- like. The family unit is what we're rooting for here. Like, we're rooting for these four people. Well, and that's the thing. Again, without giving anything away, the family unit, at a certain point in the film, you realize may not be what it seems, but it is. Mm-hmm. Because the, everyone in that family uh, met, was birthed, had a relationship, you know, that is that has nothing to do with their origin. Does that make any sense to you who's seen the whole thing? <laughs> Yes, I guess so. Yes. So it's it's complicated. Um, yeah, yeah. It's so hard to do without spoilers. Um, Maybe we but, should just do spoilers at this point. But, well, we could we could we could we could say okay to this point. To this stop point, listening. Twenty five minutes. If you don't want to hear spoilers. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, okay. But but because we learn at the end that that uh, the mother of the family uh, may not be who she seems she she is, and I never got that far. Roll. There's a role reversal. A, the final showdown between her and her doppelganger takes on, you know, an incredibly poignant sort of layer to it. Yeah. And and again, brilliant performance by Nyong'o. When she has this sort of animalistic vocalization as she's strangling who we think is the underground dweller. Uh, But we learn, of course they had switched roles and that is kind of brilliant. So you're left sort of with, I don't know who I'm supposed to root for. 
right. in this situation, which I love. I, I have I have zero problem with that as a as a storytelling device. I welcome it. But at the end of the day, I think it's still a horror film. And the stuff that we're supposed to be thrilled by, the creepy kid crawling around, going after his twin, you know, the guy getting chewed up by the boat motor, the the killing of the white family, which is so brutal and, and efficient. I was like, meh, I don't, I don't like it. Mm. You don't like it or you didn't think it was quality? No, no, it's quality. You just didn't like it? I just, there's a certain point where, there's a few points where Peel lets you breathe, mm-hmm. which I wasn't expecting, actually. Yep. You know, the home invasion happens. I was like, well, fuck, they're all going to die. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but they don't. They can sort of like pair off. And once they paired off, once they all sort of went off to a different direction, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, crap. Mm-hmm. Now I got to sit through like 20 minutes of, ooh, are they around the corner? Oh, they're going to jump out. Oh, they're going to jump up from the water. And it's just exhausting and I don't enjoy it. <laughs> Sorry. It's like someone going on the honeymoon and going, Ah, oh, crap. Is it the bedtime? <laughs> Bedroom stuff? Now I got like 20 minutes, maybe 45 minutes of this until I can go get a bite to eat. <laughs> I did have to think of when I was going to push pause to go make popcorn. That was a hard, <laughs> was a hard choice. Uh, okay, so but but you, you do, and maybe I'm wrong here, but like there, so Peel uh, on this one, is so good like just like the uncanny image like you said uh, you know sometimes to the point where it's like uh, you know what maybe this this the ins and outs the nuts and bolts of this moment might not really make sense but but the kid walking backwards with the mask on into the burning flames is such a cool image i'll forgive it <laughs> yeah although that makes sense that means I mean, I, it, it, kind of like the kid is now controlled by the other kid but hasn't been bef- like a when when are they controlled and when are they not controlled? When are they when yeah. do they have mirror mirror movements and when do they not have mirror movements? Uh, good good question. It's, it seemed to imply <laughs> like this kid has to walk backwards because the other kid's walking backwards. I'm like, okay, but that hasn't happened any other time we've been watching. They've been doing well, this separately. Right, and and even when Peel decides to just sort of lay out all the exposition and dialogue. Even then, you're like, wait, back up. Uh, there's one soul, and they share the soul. They were. <laughs> created because they wanted to be able to control the people above ground like puppets yeah who's i don't how right it's it's a bunch of stuff you're like you know it's probably just best if we just don't think too much about the infrastructure alone of like (laughs) and the rabbits i mean how many rabbits (laughs) (laughs) my god if you've not seen this movie this is i hope you've stopped listening yeah and who's Um, making those jumpsuits but but there's so many cool images, including like the stretched hands or, you know, there's one image that caught my eye uh, first time watching it. And again, because it was interesting because, of course, uh, he made get out for for a, like a Blumhouse-esque budget, which is usually a really small budget uh, and and was able to do so much in in with that. With us, he obviously had a bigger budget appropriately. And I was going in. Like, <laughs> Sorry, my dog hates budget conversations. Um, doesn't think that should come into it. But like there's a one shot of the family walking out into the beach and they've got these sort of stark shadows by the sun on, on the sands of the beach. Do you know the shot? It's an overhead shot. Yeah. It's uh-huh. a brilliant uh-huh. shot. It's a beautiful shot. And I was thinking, my gosh, I wonder how many hours that took to get that shot. <laughs> like it must have been so expensive to get that one shot. 
and uh, and and it's beautiful. And I was like, oh, that's the difference between in a lot of ways this and Get Out was like here's a here's a filmmaker that someone said, hey, great job. How about three times as much? Right. Yeah. And and things like the production design, the jumpsuits, the gold scissors. Yeah. I still don't understand why scissors are the weapon of choice of all of them. Right. I mean, all of them. It's not just the one family. One dog, all the, like the white family also has golden scissors. I presume they use them to make the jumpsuits? I guess so. I'm not sure. And that's one of those things, thank God they didn't explain, right? Like the, the, the golden scissors is super, super cool. The one glove, you know, on the hand is really, really cool. And it really, really works. And an explanation wouldn't have made it cooler. Right. And the they all have the same, like, terrible sandals. Oh, yeah. Right. Like dad sandals. Yeah. A lot of actually, yeah, again, Peel, in terms of comedy, uh, I loved the kind of the dad joke <laughs> aspect of it that he kind of kept throughout, even in the most harrowing circumstances. There was still a sort of like teenage eye roll at dad being lame. <laughs> yep. Also, one thing I just wanted to to point out to praise was the sound design, some of which I even sort of chuckled to myself. Like every time you saw a pair of scissors come out, there was a little ching, a little, which didn't make any sense in the real world. But in the movie, it was just a nice yeah. layer. And there was a there was a bunch of that that he does that it's subtle, but definitely noticeable. Hey, he's a damn good filmmaker. <laughs> you know, he really is. I, I'm super excited to see other stuff he does as well. I'm sorry, my dog is going nuts. I don't know what's going on. Is there a family in your driveway? There might be. This, I'm, I'm home alone. It's just one guy looking kind of scruffy. Best scene, worst scene? Should we? Do, I mean, I feel like we could. We should still do that. I do. I agree. I agree. I, I so, Let me see if I'm right then. So we both think super cool filmmaker, really good visual stuff and beautiful stuff. Um, you wish that the themes had been a little more articulated? Uh, or and maybe and maybe even the theme maybe maybe even taking more advantage of the themes that he kind of touches upon but doesn't fully explore and, and and you weren't wild about the sort of traditional horror moments is that is that fair that's fair although I you know the theme doesn't have to be articulated my God he articulates enough in this movie unless we mean in a more generalized way I just feel like I don't think that there was a clear theme necessarily in his mind because he 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 I imagine he had this idea of what would happen if this family showed up on your driveway looked just like you and horror ensued and then followed like, okay, so where does that come from? And filled in the plot. It felt very plot driven in that way mm. and, and less sort of unified thematically you know, probing some deep question about who we are and so forth. That That's what I felt was missing. I think that's actually really totally fair. And, and uh, there's the other thing I didn't say about it earlier is like, I really like this movie for just like a texture standpoint, like, which of course goes into all the things we we're talking about before cinematography, uh, production design, uh, uh, sound design, but it just feels good. And maybe this is also what you're saying of like, I'm rooting for this family the whole time. And the, in some way or another, the family survives, but there's just enough of a like, Ooh, that's a weird aspect with that final twist to, to make it a little disturbing. But, um, I kind of like it all. Like I, I, I look forward to seeing this movie again. And I probably will never watch it again. <laughs> okay. So uh, do you want to say your, your favorite and your least? And I, I'm supposed to pick my favorite. That's right. I speak. I pick the, the least, best yeah. scene and you pick one. Uh, this is the worst scene. And 
Yeah, it's it's tricky because there's so much that I do that I do admire about the movie, even the stuff that I probably would say fits into the category of the horror bits or or the the less thought out thematically or or what have you but like seeing everyone in their jumpsuits holding hands particularly in that first shot with the, at the beach yeah you know it makes no sense it's it doesn't. absurd again it doesn't yeah but but it's an amazing visual and i couldn't help thinking what do they do at high tide i guess they just drown because uh <laughs> they haven't thought that through but so i thought that that was really affecting i not so much necessarily the sort of the closing sequence of seeing the the helicopter sort of image because i kind of anticipated that the, the one on the beach was more unexpected yeah. and shocking because of that uh so i just in terms of pure visuals you know there's that there's the family standing in the driveway you mm. know iconic image it's a great image i really like that i so much of the cinematography is great i i i really like the uh there's the the first time she goes into the Hall of Mirrors. It's called Spirit Animal, yeah, and it's clearly you know Native American themed from the '80s. And then there's like the politically correct update, yeah, where it's Merlin's lair or whatever it is. <laughs> I thought that was a nice little detail. Uh, I thought that was that was also kind of a nice touch. So there is there is so much, even the stuff that I quote unquote don't like, you know, like in the tunnels beneath. It's so beautifully shot, you know that it's hard for me to say, you know, that there's any, you know, what, this is why this segment is hard for me on this one, because my problem with the movie is more macro. It's sort of the, the whole is, does not equal the sum of its parts. Like the parts are more interesting to me than the, yeah. the sum. Yeah. 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 No, um, I, but. I, I hear that. I actually, I think, I mean, that that's, I think a really, really fair, fair description because again, like all those things, <laughs> including like the hands across America and, and the kid walking backwards into the fire. It is those things. I'm like, so cool. So beautiful. If I think about it too much, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna fall apart so the the part so now i have to choose the 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 my least favorite scene there's kind of two aspects of it what one is i think peel put in as many mirror images and mirror doppelgangers in there as possible including like you know jeremiah 11 11 mm-hmm. or something and then in the background there's a football game going on and the score is like i forget the exact score but it's like 47 to 47. We got a tie game. I'm like, uh, don't, uh, come on. That's yeah. <laughs> like what? I, you, it's just in there, but it doesn't mean anything. Like, uh, but, and so those, that some of those got me a little bit like, eh. but the, the one scene and it's, it's an interesting thing. Cause I was like, I was like, totally, this feels kind of off. I agree. Like a lot of the comedy within the family works and is really sweet, you know, including the dad jokes and stuff like that. But there's like a scene when they're like they're escaping the house. They've just seen these brutal murders. In fact, they've had to kind of murder people that look like their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're getting in the car and they're talking about like who's going to drive and everything. Right. And they have this sort of funny bit about like who's killed more. Well, I killed that. Well, I killed two. Well, I killed this person and this person. And that was like, oh, that feels like a skit. You know, like where the character is in a zombie movie or something like it would stop to have kind of a funny argument about who had bagged more people. And I was like, I, yeah, it just felt like it was funny, but I didn't buy it. And, and nope, so totally, right. yeah. totally. Those kids like, should have been far more traumatized. Ex- exactly. They should have been just shaking. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's also, you know, to, not to pile on on that and it's not necessarily a critique, but there's a, there's a moment when the, the whole family is in a boat and they're, 
they've escaped. Yeah. Like they're safe. Yeah. And then it cuts to the white family's house. Yeah. And I thought, wait, go back to the boat. I want to hear what they're saying to each other. Like they just went through some shit. Right. Like what, how are they dealing with this? But they just sort of show up tired. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I just thought, I think we just missed like some important emotional work happening (laughs) on that boat as they're debriefing what the fuck is going on. Right. Yeah. And and, I mean, the big part of it being that they're us, these people are us. And what, (laughs) what does that mean? Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, at some point, I'd love us to even more go like I love that discussion of like how much is enough to to let us like it's a question of lighting in some ways. Like how much lighting makes a room scary and not just pitch black and how much lighting is over lighting? Uh, Like what is the right amount of information to allow for the creeps and not over inform? No, it's a great question. In fact, I think, you know, that would be some sort of like dogma test out there it would be interesting for horror filmmakers to see like can you make a truly terrifying film that takes place in broad daylight with no scary music and as little sort of explanation as possible just by creating a sense of dread or existential angst or or what have you what's the difference between the owl jumping out in the hall of mirrors and making you jump and the the deep dread you have of what would happen if someone who looked just like me showed up at my door but was more animal than human and was trying to kill me yeah yeah and and i wish this movie made me feel the latter more Mm. well i now know what to get you for christmas (laughs) someone at your door (laughs) so uh next week or or the next episode what uh, what do you have in store you had a, a brilliant idea of let's making it a holiday film now there's a holiday horror is we can have our own year long podcast on holiday horror. This... <laughs> well, I have to say, I, I suggested that knowing that there's no chance that it will be good. Like there's <laughs> no chance there's a holiday themed horror movie that isn't a total piece of shit. Wow. So I'm literally, I'm really looking forward to Let's it. just talk about my first feature film, Follow, which is No, that's not a Christmas movie it, for crying out loud. It takes place five days. It's got the countdown of the five days till Christmas. <laughs> Well, four days till Christmas. I have never thought of it. There's Christmas music film. throughout. See, it was so effective. I didn't think of it as a holiday movie. <laughs> it's, it's too late. But um, Krampus, uh, there's no getting around what they're trying to say. Now, of course, one of the early classic slashers, I'm not going to have you watch it because I, 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 is Black Christmas. And Black Christmas, like, predated Halloween, uh, it is like a, a favorite in the genre. It was remade just a few years ago and is now coming out again as a second remake, the third remake, or the, I guess the third version of it, in just like a couple of weeks from Blumhouse. Uh, but so, no, I'm not having to watch, watch Black that? Christmas. No, no. Okay. But there's also Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is a guy just like Santa Claus that caused a bunch of hoopla when it was released in theaters and and people were like how dare you show an image of santa with an axe going down a chimney how dare you do that there's christmas evil that's a pretty pretty brilliant one this elves just about how elves are scary <laughs> there's so many good ones and i went and narrowed it down to two but but i actually i kind of know which one it's going to be but i'll tell you my final two one of them was anna versus the apocalypse a film that came out uh, earlier this year. It's a Scottish zombie Christmas musical, and uh, it's so good. 
it's really really good and uh, and super fun but it's more of a musical that has zombies well no it's got i, mean, I don't know it's all it's actually does is it a comedy it sounds like it's a comedy funny too. it's funny okay. but it's also yeah it is a comedy but it's also like it's the stakes feel real it's pretty good i mean this i mean i don't know what you're gonna pick but i have to say you know horror as a genre is ripe for parody and so like would you consider young frankenstein you know a horror movie no probably not no 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 but i would consider Shaun of the dead a horror movie interesting yeah young frankenstein's a parody Shaun of the dead is a horror comedy okay that's so uh, this anniversary apocalypse I'll, i'll let you decide between these two the other one is rare exports which uh, I think was made in Denmark. <laughs> it's, okay. it's, it's a very weird Christmas horror movie. So you can choose. I don't want to tell you anything about Rare Exports. I don't want to give anything away. But it is a, it is a holiday movie. It is a holiday Christmas movie. movie. Yes. Well, I'm afraid I'll like an, an apocalypse too much because it sounds fun. It is really so, fun. So, so I'm going to go Rare Exports. Excellent. Good. Okay. We'll, we'll do some Rare Exports. Now, is it available? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> It's out there somewhere. All right. Well, listeners, if I can't find it, stay tuned for Anna and the Apocalypse, because I am not working that hard for this. (laughs) (laughs) FYI. And that's the horror. Hey, Russell, where can people find you online? Through the Twitter, at Russell Sharman. And you, Owen? At Owen underscore Edgerton. And if you want to send us longer feedback, you can send us email at thehorrorpod at gmail. Brilliant. It would also be awesome if folks wanted to rate us on iTunes. I'd like to be your doppelganger, Russell, to show up at your house. I would love for you to show up at my house. I don't think we look alike, but... No, I'm just sort of the animal version of you. Like, I was, I'm you if, I, if you were underground and had to eat rabbits. 